0: I had a really good feeling about this. This is The Outlander Club, a Rebel Scum podcast. Everyone has a story. Here are those Star Wars stories. Don't forget to join us on Patreon for exclusive bonus content and early access. Here's your host, James Razile. No, I'm telling you, it's going to be great. When have I ever steered you wrong? For me, Star Wars started with toys. I wasn't the first, and I definitely won't be the last. Today's guest began the same way with a toy. Only his Star Wars journey took a far more interesting turn than mine. Hi everyone, I'm James Rosile. This is the Outlander Club, and as stated just a little while ago, please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Revel Scum Podcast to help support us here at the Revel Scum Podcast Network. It really helps us out a great deal. Oh, we're doing a lot of shows rise of skywalker is starting mandalorian is starting and that is today's guest it is dominic pace who may or may not be a part of the mandalorian series on disney plus so i'm not going to spend any more waste any more of your time let's get right to it this is a great conversation i had with dominic pace please enjoy leave that to me Welcome to the Outlander Club. I'm James Rosillion. Joining me right now is a very special guest. He's coming all the way from the West Coast, and he might have a small role in something kind of cool coming up. His name is Dominic Pace. Dominic, thanks for joining me.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, and hello to all your fans and listeners.
0: That's awesome. Okay. Goodbye. That was that's <laughs> all we wanted to do right there. But this is the Outlander Club. This is where we talk about star where we talk to Star Wars fans about their Star Wars fandom. So I want to talk to you right now, if you could just rewind the tape all the way back to the Mm -hmm. first time you ever saw Star Wars. Where was it, and what was that experience like? Or do you even remember it? Is it somewhere just, you know, it happened so long ago that you don't remember, or was it yesterday?
1: I got to tell you, we're going to go back to 1980, where, believe it or not, my first memory was the Cantina playset. I do not recall seeing Episode 4 in the theaters. Uh, The most magical experience was when I was about uh, six years old for Episode 5, which was, uh, again, just beyond... It was bigger than life in terms of that experience to be in a packed audience and to feel that sense of urgency from Han Solo and from all these magical characters that we know so well. But the first experience was the magic of the toys and the intricacy of the side characters, uh, specifically Walrus Man and Hammerhead and Greedo. And when you're five years old, the effect that has on your imagination was just priceless combined with the music of John Williams, which I remember so well at that, that age. My mother used to play the records all the time. Uh, so that initially was the uh, was the uh, initial memory uh, as far as with uh, the Cantina playset and the side characters, and we used to have that magnetic board that I think a lot of kids uh, learn how to spell on. It's uh, oh, yeah. you know the alphabet and such. And I remember the first word that I spelled out ever was Jawa, and my mother was teaching me how to spell. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. You picked the you picked such a great word from the Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> yes, <It's not> Jawa. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So how, how did that how did that happen? You have you have get the toys. Obviously, you know somebody probably just bought it for your parents or whatever. Just here's yeah, some toys. Eat. Your mother bought you some toys, and then Empire Strikes Back comes out. Yeah, and and you want to go see that in the theater. Did you see? How how do how do you get to that that step? How do you convince them? To, how do you convince your mother who buy you toys to be like these toys are so cool? There's a movie now. You have to take me to this movie.
1: You know, I, I had a really cool mom, and I think at that time, even if you were a grown-up, I think the, the fever caught from the, the grown-ups even in the 19, uh, late 70s. You know, before that, I know that Alec Guinness balked on uh, science fiction movies because before that, they were kind of cheesy to do as an artist and kind of cheesy to go to see, uh, essentially, as a viewer. Um, but I think at that point, I mean, you know, you're also looking at the height of the popularity uh, even during that era. So I, I don't think it was that much out of the way Especially, you know, if you had uh, kids during the early 80s, that when they, you know, when you went to a Caldor or any type of major uh, superstore, uh, they had those those figures. So that kind of was it. And my mother was always uh, a really uh, uh, she always emphasized uh, imagination and uh, and creativity. And what better way than than the magic of George Lucas and John Williams, the way that she introduced that.
0: I have to ask you, because um, I don't remember the first time I saw Empire Strikes Back. It's just something that I, I, I knew, you know, my whole life. Vader was Luke's father, whatever. How did that moment hit you as a child? You know, it's funny. The one
1: moment that, that vividly stays in my mind is the first time we see Vader in Empire where his back is to us. And you see this perfectly shiny, gorgeous black helmet and the intensity that had for a six-year-old. And again, combined with the music... Of John Williams I, I think it was just from start to finish you know you have these eternal lessons uh, from Yoda in terms of uh, the mythology in terms of believing in yourself that no matter what age you're at the reason we're talking about this uh, 40 plus years later is because of this eternal timepiece that that Luke has created which is just genius and it and it touches on you know it touches on reality to me I, you know I've never been a major science fiction fan But just the way that George Lucas did the parallels and Irvin Kirshner, especially in terms of the relationship with family, Uh, no matter where you come from in life. I mean, the fact that there's still good in you, you know, things that whether they would emphasize, you know, on issues like that, it just really resonates so firmly, whether you're a child or whether you're an adult. And again, that's why we're talking about it so many years later as well.
0: It's when I asked uh, my my seven-year-old niece, I said, I I was just talking to her, I said, well, Star Wars is for kids. And she goes, yeah, it's for kids, but it's also for adults. And I said, why? She goes, because you have toys. (laughs) That's what she (laughs) said to me as a 38-year-old. She said, because you have toys. And I looked behind me and I said, well, you're right. (laughs) So I guess it is.
1: I got to tell you, though, I mean, you know, there's a child in all of us and we should never leave that, you know, we should never lose that within our, our own soul. And, you know, the thing is, in terms of toy collecting, as a grown up, I, I've been a Star Wars collector for so many years. It really is about the innocence and those memories that we had with our parents, with our grandparents, the magic that we had as, as, as children when we used to play with our friends. So it's not just a toy. I think when you grow up, you know, you, you take the most famous film of all time, Citizen Kane, and the last words that he said, the last word that he he said in that film was Rosebud. And he's referring to a sleigh when he was a child, that all the success, all of the money in the entire world does not compare to that sled when he was a child. And to me, the definition of that, I mean, you could talk to a lot of uh, film experts, but the definition of that to me means how precious childhood is to all of us. And the memories, it's not only just a Han Solo figure or a spaceship to us. It's really the innocence of childhood. And like I said, uh, what what just a brilliant way that George Lucas pulled on every one of our heartstrings uh, to be able to bring us here and to have this eternal, uh, amazing and and beautiful story uh, uh, that we get to share uh, together.
0: I think that's part of what makes Star Wars so timeless too, is it's it's something different for everyone because it's, because even though the movies are the movies, the books are the books, it's timeless because we had the figures and and it, it, it's different, It hit us on different levels at different times in all of our lives. And it's kind of a genius that he had. You're, you're, you're 100% right. And I think that's why I take
1: it easy on anyone who might be, uh, have any criticism these days. Because, again, I, I think even the criticism is positive. Because what it's showing is that people, even if they dislike maybe one episode or they dislike a storyline or a character, what have you, it still goes back to the passion of how much they care genuinely about this story because it means something to them. And I, I would never uh, uh, criticize anyone who might be critical, <laughs> uh, you know, not to use a double negative there, but <laughs> what I mean, in terms of the fact that everyone is passionate about it. And whether, you know, Han Solo and Boba Fett are, for me in particular, my favorite characters, somebody else might have a favorite character within the new series or the old series that means something to them. And, and I can't tell you how much I respect them uh, the, the same way, because again, just as much as those characters have inspired me in, in different ways, uh, those characters might touch on their lives and I'm, I'm no better or worse than them.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've met some people doing this podcast now that they got introduced to Star Wars through The Force Awakens. And I yeah. I can't say anything wrong with that. You know, at least they're introduced to it. Yes. Yeah, and, and JJ, I mean, for me,
1: I, I really enjoy him. I, I think he does a great job. And I think he, you know, with episode seven, I for me, I think he pulled me in. Uh, it, it, it It's got to be interesting, though, because I think... The power and and the, the gusto that Star Wars had during that time is there was nothing even comparable. And now we have so much content. So I, I'm always curious in terms of being introduced if I was a child now, because there's so much content, so much social media, so many different uh, ways of entertainment, sort of oversaturated in many ways. But for me, in particular, the reason it's, it was so special was because there was nothing like it. Uh-huh. And, and he just, you know, did he he made it with such quality and he was so so ahead of his years in terms of the way he did the special effects and everything else so for me that's why it made it so special but again i mean that's how how great is it that somebody could watch that and be introduced to it now and still feel the power and the energy that we all know and love
0: i have a friend he has a seven-year-old son uh, knows knows of star wars he's never been obsessed with it or anybody knows about star wars and and uh during thanks canadian thanksgiving this year they had a marathon on tv for all weekend they showed i think all i think seven the seven episodic films in a row they kept showing them and my friend said he's like i fell asleep on the couch after dinner and i woke up <laughs> and he was watching he's seven he was like and he was watching revenge of the sith and uh-huh. he, mi- he missed the beginning of it but he caught on on the end and then after that they watched force awakens and then um they watched last jedi and he said which was your favorite and he said the one where anakin became vader that was yes. his favorite one, and it was. And I was really, I was more, I was interested more so in that. I thought it would be the Force Awakens that he liked the most, but yes. I was like, okay, so it, so the effects, all that, it hasn't aged poorly in his eyes. Who's now in, like he's, you know, he's inundated with all the new technology. So it's, yeah. it's impressive too that a movie from over ten years ago can keep the imagination of a child alive today. Absolutely. And I think a,
1: a lot of that can be attributed to, in my personal opinion, uh, the performance of and McGregor. You know, again, we talk about family and we talk about the power of relationships, I think, which really resonates so strongly in the Star Wars universe. And what pops out of my mind when somebody says that, as far as the Sith, um, is just the fact that that brotherhood, you know, that we connect that again to life to where, you know, that moment that he had at the end, I mean, really was very emotional. And, and you can completely remove yourself from the, the science fiction world in terms of, you know, the betrayal and sort of the where, you know, unfortunately, even as our friends from high school, we go different paths. And, you know, the poetry to me, again, it resonates so powerfully. And I think it's one of those those elements within the universe that makes the the, the, the series so magical. But with him saying that really kind of that makes that moment for me kind of stand out. And that, that might have been why he might have said that because of that that brilliant performance. Uh, I think you and McGregor game and of course, Hayden did an amazing job as well. Um, but, uh, I, I, really, yeah, I think a lot of people, when you, you know, you see sometimes on Twitter, they'll go through their favorite, you know, eight episodes yeah. and a lot of times surprisingly, uh, Sith is on
0: the top. Yeah, we do every January 1st on the channel for the last three years. This will be a fourth one coming. We've done a, a ranking Star Wars where we get a list of, of us over at the channel then a bunch of friends, we put a list or other podcasts, we put a list together and we do this mass ranking and it's always uh intriguing to see where the prequels line up it's unfortunately attack of the clones usually comes at the very bottom but sith is the one that fluctuates the most one year it's high one year it's low and i think it also depends on the mood of everybody (laughs) so well especially after the last jedi came out it really that was last jedi i will tell you was first on a lot of lists and at the bottom of a lot it was was so divisive it was was incredible Uh, yeah
1: Really has separated the community. But but it's funny with clones. I mean, one of the things that I like to pick out, too, whether you like an entire film or not, are the moments. You know, if we mm-hmm. would go to one, one through three right now, I mean, literally, of course, you got Maul in the first episode. I loved Camino. I mean, I thought that yes. whole thing... Gang- all of that to me, I mean, really, and then not to mention the swooping love theme that I, John Williams did. I mean, this guy, I hope that, you know, I know that Walt Disney wanted to stay preserved, you know, for his life. But, you know, <laughs> I, I hope that scientists can come up with some way to keep John Williams alive for 200 years, you know. Um, but but again, and then you go with Sith, and you have that moment. So sometimes for me, you know, even if whether I like or dislike a Star Wars film as a whole, i love when you're able to pick out some moments and still make it special for you and again just to overall appreciate the series as a whole there and and the magic of it though you know it's nothing you you can't uh you can't talk down anything about escapism these days and i think in one way or another people need that and 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 i can't tell you what an honor it is to to be a little little tiny part of that now
0: a little part maybe a bigger part than we know but we're gonna get into that in a little bit i want to know about the first movie that I think really kind of saw the negativity, The Return of the Jedi. You're a little bit older now going into this one. There are yes. teddy bears running around. Perfect yes. for, for me. They're my favorite. Yes. But how did you feel about Return of the Jedi? And did you see that one in the theater as well? I did. You know, I, I came, I was raised by a single mom. She didn't have much
1: money. And the, and the thing, you know, we'll be talking about in a few weeks is just the fact how she always did the best she could to provide for us and to give us a form of entertainment. I remember going, she, we didn't have much money during that time. Uh, but she, she made sure that I got a ticket the first week and it went open and I wow. can't tell how amazing it was to hear an applause for the first time during a moving going experience. I must have been about eight or nine years old 1983 um, to hear that applause after the whole skiff uh, action scene where Luke salutes uh, you know and, and and dumps down the you know the diving board and you've got all this action going on. Uh, it, it was really second to none for me. Um, and, and again, the Ewoks really just washed over so perfectly at that age just because again, uh, you know, when you're eight or nine years old, I mean, it it was so much fun, and they still do to this day. Um, you know, I always love the fact that he has included a little bit of childishness. Of course, you know, you can talk about the criticism of Jar Jar, and and you know, I mean, I know that I've heard a little bit of criticism I mean, with the new, you, you know, uh, uh, robot who looks uh, like a hairdryer. Somebody said the other day, you <laughs> know, <laughs> but but at the same time, I mean, it is for children, and it, and it is kind of nice to break up the intensity at times to have that sort of childlike robot that's kind of like a puppy or a dog in many ways. And of course, the legendary R2 there, of course. Um, But uh, Return of the Jedi, that was the most magical for me because uh, I I was eight years old and I still believed in Santa. And during that Christmas time, my mom, well, Santa, (laughs) my mom got me the the Jabba the Hutt uh, playset. And she also got me, again, all of these amazing side characters that I was just so fascinated with. And again, this was before a time of YouTube and social media and everything else where you would spend hours and hours with these figures and, you know, creating within your own, you know, uh, room, you know, whether it's at my grandparents' house in Yonkers, New York, or up in my house in Austin, New York. I mean, it just was hours and hours of pretending and creating where you have that special closeness with, uh, with the series there through the, through the play sets there. So that for me, Return of the Jedi was, uh, was really magical. I was at the perfect age
0: for it. That's awesome. I, I always equate doing the podcast to, to being a kid with the, the action figures. I'm like, it's ba- I'm basically just doing what I did, but without toys in front of me now. I'm just i making Absolutely. things up. We're you know, we're talking we're talking about Star Wars. I'm making things up because I'm loving it. That's what is so good about it. that reminds me of when my mom took me to get the Ewok Village when I was when I was a kid. She's like, We're gonna go get you this. I was like, What? And we got this giant playset set of Ewoks and it was such a great time. And another friend of mine was talking about how uh, his son, four years old, was watching Last Jedi, and then he's like he's like he loved Canto Bite because of all mm-hmm. the aliens in it. And I'm like, yeah, that's what Star Wars is. It's it's not, I mean, you know, we we have the overall story that we all love, but it's those, when you're a kid especially, it's those background characters, the aliens that pop out at you and they they, they spark your imagination in a million different ways. I love it. Absolutely. And there's
1: so many artists that, you know, really uh, are to credit
0: in that, in regards to that you know the intricacy
1: of the weapons that we collect you know i love the lightsaber and han solo blaster those are two of my favorites uh but also the uniqueness of the makeup uh it's just really there's so many incredible artists that put all this together and and uh you know it's so great to appreciate all of them there
0: yeah absolutely so after that um star wars it it goes out it's done you're done with star wars now did were you ever out of star wars completely like or Um, did you did you get into like the books or anything like that
1: um, more or less, I remember the last thing I left on was that Han and Leia had twins in one of the books, like these Jedi twins, uh, so to speak. But to be honest, it wasn't until sort of this this rumor after Jurassic Park that Lucas was going to be on board with episode one that it actually, a break in the action uh, for me in particular within those years, made it even more special before episode one to go back and collect. I was part of that whole midnight uh, line when episode one came out because, again, it kind of brought back the magic and the nostalgia, because it was a really a long pause for me in particular. I wasn't into the books. Um, of course, there was a video game or two here or there, but not really. I mean, you know, once I heard Harrison Ford, I think there was one interview we had with Barbara Walters where he was just, you know, they talked about a new indie, but he, I think he essentially said that Han Solo was dead. So I think we all kind of just put it to rest. Um, but it made it all more, the more magical in my early 20s when they made that episode one announcement and you saw that first trailer, uh, to where again, it kind of, when you take a 10 year or so break from something or 15 or whatever, uh, it makes it even more magical. So that's what happened with me. Uh, but no, I didn't necessarily stay connected. Uh, I, I started collecting a little bit. There was a life-size Han Solo and Carbonite. I did purchase as well as a, <laughs> the, the, Luke Skywalker icons, uh, lightsaber, which is my favorite piece I have at home. Wow. Um, but ultimately I, you know, you just kind of move on and there, you know, there was, you know, the, the new kind of technology and such. And, uh, you know, we are ready to put it to rest, but what, what, how refreshing it was to bring it back. And I feel bad for Lucas with some of the criticism because at the end of the day, we really appreciate him and we love him. It's like, you know, your, your lovable loser uh, baseball or football team, perhaps, where, you know, you can't live without them regardless of whether, you know, the series is to everyone's expectations or not. And, and what a legend uh, this man has been
0: absolutely and you know you i think he was right when he made those prequels he said um you know we hear a lot now about ahmed best how he had his, his his problems and whatnot now he's coming forward he says you know george lucas told me that right now they might not like you but in 20 years the, the there will be adults who are kids now who are going to yeah. grow up and they're going to love you and that's that's the case now is it's people are looking at the prequels like you and i looked at the original trilogy that is their original trilogy that's what they grew up on
1: Absolutely, and again, we go with the open mind, uh, like we talked about. It's just appreciating everyone's view. I'm, you know, I was uh, at the uh, popcorn counter the other day. We were going to see a movie called Midsummer, my wife and I. And this um, young uh, 20-something lady, she, you know, she was talking to me. She asked me if I saw Dark Phoenix yet, and I said, No, I hadn't had a chance to see it. Her eyes lit up over, you know, this one superhero character, whatever. She was telling me the story, and uh, you know, I looked at her. My wife looks at me too, and I said, God, I said, this is such a great example of how. This woman, I mean, so inspired by something I might not have even cared for or seen for whatever reason. Um, but, but for her, this meant so much. So again, I think it, it uh, parallels to the Star Wars universe to where, again, that might mean something for someone else. But overall, whether I like something personally or I don't, to appreciate the fact that Star Wars or certain you know, comic book series, they're for everyone. And how beautiful it is that these directors are now playing on that to where it's not only inspiring a, a big you know, alpha male like myself or you, uh, but also somebody else that might be from a different walk of life or a different cultural or di- a different gender, or what have you. Uh, I think it's beautiful in that regard.
0: Yeah. It's fantastic. I uh, just, Star Wars breaks all barriers. It, 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 yes. it, it's, I mean, I like, I'm doing this for three years now. I've met so many people that I'm like, you know, if we met in real life, we probably wouldn't even acknowledge each other's existence. And it's yeah, just it's incredible. It,
1: yeah. Yeah. You- you're right. And I'll take it even a step further. I mean, you know, hopefully uh, in the coming years, I really look forward to getting involved through uh, the Star Wars organizations, the 501st, as well as the Mandalorian Mercs in regards to charity events uh, to where we can really touch other people's lives as far as getting involved in making their life better and making them happier through a series that we all love. And, and you know, I think that connection uh, to where we help other people out through Star Wars, I think even makes our connection of people from all walks of life even more beautiful.
0: I want to go back now to that the the midnight madness for the Phantom Menace. I did not participate in this. I know you know a lot of people talk about the Phantom Menace because it did lose a lot of uh, the the uh, the figures, the toys, the merchandise. Lost a lot of money for Hasbro at the time because uh, wow. yeah, they didn't. Well, I think they, they they overproduced what they needed. They they definitely overproduced. But interesting that experience. However, mm-hmm. uh, is something that I would have. I was a teenager at the time. I was too cool. Even care yeah. about toys, right? I did buy a Darth Maul and a Yoda from the Phantom Menace, but because no one's too cool for those two, but I was too cool for, for most of the action figures. Can you just walk me through what that experience was like, what was going through your mind, the excitement in you, how early you got there for the midnight release, and all of that?
1: Yeah, it was a couple hours
0: before, and I, I gotta be honest, I was all in. Uh, those figures came out, I think, uh,
1: maybe a month or two prior, before the, the series came out, and uh, I got that even the whole walkie-talkie thing where you're yes. connected with their little digital chip. Uh, you know, the Obi-Wan and even some of the side characters. I think there was a, a, a blue kind of R2 unit and, and uh, all the side characters to me, I had it hung up in my closet. Um, I was all in because, again, I, I the hype and all of the magic. I was doing a film at that time and I was taking some interviews where I was showing off my collection uh, on Entertainment Tonight. And went, even with uh, E! Entertainment with Melissa Joan Rivers, I went on to show off some of my collection uh, but even they had the special figure of Samuel Jackson. Before I saw the film, I was 110% in, and I was just uh, soaking in the nostalgia of childhood. Uh, and thank God I have a very supportive wife where she was totally, <laughs> totally on board with the whole thing. Did not think it was weird in any way. Um, but I was fully vested. Uh, I, it was just so exciting to kind of relive childhood. And again, I mean, these figures, what they cost maybe 10 bucks each at the time. It was really nice. And and uh, you know, with two boys, we knew we were going to have kids at that time to be able to pass those down, whether you know it was a success or failure i was i was really uh completely 100 percent in on oh
0: that's so awesome so you're 110 in you're getting mm-hmm. the merchandise movie comes out do you get the opening night tickets did you wait did you actually put off a wait a day and well, we, had, we yeah you had to uh, wait we,
1: uh no no we had the opening uh, okay, night yeah. oh we actually ended up seeing the film but there was so much adrenaline and we were actually at the mat. <laughs> where there were people believe it or not I think they were involved in a charity they were waiting there for over uh, I think about a year believe it or not they were waiting online for an entire year you can Google it um, I could not believe it we ended up seeing the second or the third show I remember seeing that trailer of the matrix which looks so amazing with that new form of, uh, of uh, uh, technology that the Wachowski brothers uh, came up with with uh, I guess a, a, bunch of, a bunch of other technicians we saw the film. Um, you know, again, I was a little bit taken back. I wasn't too uh, uh, all in on the, the all the politics of everything. I wasn't too all in on the announcer with the pod race. But I'll tell you, I mean, the, the fight with uh, Darth Maul at the end and obviously the magic of the talents of Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor really uh, did it for me. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'd be lying if I said it didn't start fading at that point. Of course, it, you know, Jar Jar and kind of, you know, seeing where all this was going to head and you know, who was going to play Darth Vader when they got older and where that was going. I mean, I think there were so many questions. But again, when you compare, you know, (laughs) I don't want to even say mark on a bell curve. But if you take any other series to where, again, we've been talking about this for 40 years, it still is so ridiculously magical. And we already bought our our tickets for Episode 9, you know. So as much as sometimes you might have some criticism, at the same time, overall, you just have to respect the magic and the amount of work that these artists put into the Star Wars along with George Lucas. So I, I was very satisfied. Uh did I go crazy when Attack of the Clones came out? Not necessarily as far as with the figures and the collecting and such. But don't don't get me wrong,
0: there was no question I still watched it uh two or three times. Did so so your collecting kind of faded for Attack of the Clones a little? Uh correct, yes it did. Was that uh, due to the 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 Phantom Menace, your initial, your reaction to The Phantom Menace as a film? Or was it just because you're in a different stage of your life and you're like, "Eh, this isn't something I need to do anymore?
1: I think every grown-up, every Generation Xer would certainly admit, I mean, I think they'd be lying if they didn't, that the magic kind of fades as you get older. It's not the same magical feel that you have to where the world is bigger than life. Uh, when you are younger, when you're six or seven years old and you see that sense of urgency from Harrison Ford. I don't even know if Daniel Day-Lewis on screen, who to me is one of the greatest actors of all time, can still add that mysticism and that magic and that realism to when we uh, how we are when we're children. You know, the magic of you know, if we want to even cross over uh, different uh, movies as far as E.T. and The Goonies, how special that was because you didn't know the actor's backstory maybe, or you, you just saw them as their character and didn't know all of the stuff that media shoots down your throat in one way or another. They were just that character themselves. Yeah. So I'd be lying if I didn't say that the magic started fading a little bit and, and understandably so I think any grown up, it's, it's hard to sometimes uh, get that magic 110% like we do when we're kids there. So I think that's what happened. With me, but without question, uh, I completely appreciated, uh, you know, uh, Camino and Django Fett and ended up going to a Comic-Con where I actually got uh, Tamora Morrison's autograph for my my sons there. Um, uh, You know, so all that magic and, of course, all the new costumes and all the work they put into it, um, whether I'm completely all in or not, uh, you still can't uh, not tip your cap to uh, the amazing artists that are involved in these productions.
0: Absolutely. I remember when the, uh, the final trailer for the Monday night trailer uh, came out for The Rise of Skywalker. I was talking to a friend of mine who's reading all the leaks. You knows all. he goes, I know the whole story. I know it all. Yeah. And he was like, uh, he goes, I, that was disappointing. That show was disappointing. And I said, I loved yeah. it personally. I actually, I, I stand by that. I love that trailer. And I haven't read any of the leaks. I don't want it. I don't want to know. I want to go in and watch it. <laughs> and he's like, no, but the leaks, he goes, the leaks get from this, this. And I'm like, yeah, but, but that's, and he's like, yeah, there, there might be turmoil. I'm like, none of that concerns me. Yeah. what's going to concern me is the two hours and 35 minutes on screen december 19th when i'm watching that movie at 7 p.m that's yeah. what's going to concern me and you know what i uh, attack of the clones i was in all the leaks i knew the whole movie like the back of my hand i had it all and i walked in and i was like and i knew it and when it ended i said well that was disappointing and yeah. it was and, and you know and i know people that's what everyone likes to turn to but now I love now twenty years later almost I love Attack of the Clones. It's one of my favorites. I have no shame in that. If I think of Star Wars, I think of the chase scene at the beginning when mm-hmm. the assassin when uh, the assassin tries to kill Patton. Yes, I think of that chase through Coruscant. That's my for some reason Star Wars and that they go to like this to me. They go hand in hand. I don't know what it is, but right. I I ruined the movie because of all like you just said when you're a child you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Right. But when you do, it starts to take you out. And I think that also hurts solo and for a few people anyway. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, solo for me, uh, I mean, th- sometimes a negative negative comment or a negative review sometimes is a compliment sometimes to the original. You know, I think they redid uh, Footloose and they redid Saturday Night Fever uh, on Broadway and such. But sometimes there's only one. And I think you can probably count on one hand in terms of at least for me personally, and again, for those who appreciated Solo, I, I you know, my hat's off to you. Um, but again, when you grow up with Solo and, and Harrison Ford, in terms of his alpha and his charisma, uh, for me, I just had a hard time, no matter who played the role, seeing anyone in their shoes. But again, that's not to take away the younger generation who might be introduced to this for the first time, or even the older generation who say, "Hey, I buy it into it and I and I get it." I just have so much an appreciation for the actor that is Harrison Ford. That I just had a hard time seeing anyone else in the shoes, and again, that's my own little bitter, um, you know, uh, fault, and not that of the production. Uh, Ron Howard is obviously such a legend. Cocoon and Willow, and uh, so many of his pieces throughout the years. Apollo 13. Uh, he's one of the most amazing directors of our time, um, and uh, you know, and again, I mean, nothing to take away from from that lead cast, and of course, Amelia Clark, who is so stunningly gorgeous and powerful in her own way um but again i mean for me it's more of just a compliment sometimes to the original and i don't think you should be faulted as a fan for that uh just because again i mean i, I wouldn't fault a child uh, of this generation to where they love you know maybe rugrats or what have you uh you know when, when they grew up and such
0: no I, I i completely agree when when solo ended my mom came out of the theater and she goes i liked it but that was not han solo <laughs> that right? was that was it and i'm like how can you argue that you know for a lot of people no. he's not and yeah i think he did an admirable job for what he but he's not Harrison Ford, which is the problem. Right. You
1: know, and I think everything going on these days now, everything is very hypersensitive in certain yes. ways. I think it might be misinterpreted if you were to put a angry alpha male on screen to such an extent that Ford played it. Uh, but for me, I just loved it. And I thought that Carrie Fisher stood up to him every step of the way. I don't think there was anything submissive about it or anything social that you can argue about that relationship between the two of them. Not to mention the romance, which I miss in cinema. So much uh, because to me, love is is uh, an amazing element to the story and filmmaking, and I hope that we get back to that at some point to where I feel like sometimes the, the social issues kind of overtake that. Um, but there's nothing wrong with saying that a man needs a woman and a woman needs a man. Uh, everybody keeps talking about this Raylo thing, and to me, I'd love to see it play out. I just don't know how disney does those things that just again to make sure that he appealed to everybody um but again uh, uh I can't say enough about that era for me and and uh
0: there's nothing wrong with appreciating that and the love the love in the original trilogies is so it's not in your face too much it's i love you i know the yeah. end let's move on we're gonna kiss in the next movie we're good we're good yes yes and it's not like it's not mushy it's not gushy it's it's you know boys no. we, like you know boys don't like that kind of stuff traditionally typically (laughs) right right? so but when we watched it i was never like ew. it was just what it was right so no and i
1: that moment in return of the jedi you know i mean you know again i know that it was it was used sparingly but just when uh he comes out of carbonite and he asks you know who are you and you know she says someone who loves you very much i love their chemistry and i love the fact they're billing her top right now in uh, uh, the uh, the Rise of Skywalker. There, I think that's a beautiful tribute to such a legendary actress.
0: Yeah, and it, you know that's going under the radar a little bit. I think too is her name is first on that poster, and I'm really that's awesome. I think because she said before she passed that nine was going to be her movie, and yeah. I don't know if it's going to be or not, but they've they've at least uh, out of respect made it her movie. So I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. That's good. Cool. The, the original three, I mean, you know, that they.
1: you know, it's not only the storyline, but it's those original three that also the reason we're talking about it is their talents from Hamill, Fisher, and Ford. You know, you, you can't say enough about them.
0: You probably couldn't pick a better trio for any, like, cinema, period. They're so strong and just awesome. And, you know, and, and again, I mean, within
1: cinema, it's like you can take any project, but if you don't have the right chemistry, and I don't know what the answer is, I'm not a director, but if you don't have that chemistry, people just kind of lose you. And what a magical chemistry that was.
0: Yeah, there's been a few movies I've watched, a few films I've I've seen. I'm like, mm, it's, you know, stronger, maybe not stronger actors, but actors who got along better you know, on screen. Just I don't buy their chemistry. So a lot to be said about that. And that's all casting, which you know a lot more about than I would, because I don't, I, I never audition, I've never auditioned for a part. I just don't. Uh... I mean, I'm a great actor, don't get me wrong. But,
1: but you know, you compare, it, you compare it to life, too, though, in terms of your own personal relationships. You know, when you're dating a woman or you're dating a man or what have you or your loved one uh, or somebody that you really don't care about, you can just feel that charisma. And it's either there or it's not. Sometimes there's no element when you had that girlfriend in high school or, or through your you know younger years or your wife or your husband uh, to where you can't put your finger on it. But it's just that... As the French say, right? <laughs> what did uh, Austin Power, Dr. Evil? Uh, the French say something I, I don't know what, you know. <laughs> you
0: know?
1: <laughs> but, but that's that's what it is. The je ne sais
0: quoi, you know. The je ne sais quoi. Je uh, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith now. That is the yeah. last one of the prequels. The last Star Wars film we're ever going to get. That's what yeah. we know. That is the last Star Wars film. There's no seven, no eight, no nine. There's only Revenge of the Sith. There's yeah. you. Your, your fandom is beginning to fade once again. It left you in the 90s. It came back with a vengeance, and it slowly started to dwindle. Where were you on that one? Did you see the film opening night again?
1: Absolutely did, and I think now we can start attributing the talents, uh and the legend that is Ian McDermott at this point, you know, because really – I mean, you know, the transition that he had to play in terms of this sort of, you know, uh, uh, well-kept sort of uh, dignitary in many ways. But then at the same time, to turn to that darkness. For me, again, it's all about performance and storyline. And again, we go back to the brotherhood. We go back to actually Natalie Portman, which I thought had her most powerful moments towards the end there. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was really a good little segue into episode four as we knew it at that time. Uh, But I was definitely invested. um, uh, But again... Now, just kind of moving forward, I kind of, again, faded out, not thinking that there was going to be a seven, eight, nine for quite some time. So I I think these little pauses and hopefully after nine, uh, you know, not that I want to get too old for them to continue it on, but also with all the content. I think these pauses are nice because, again, it kind of lets it sit in your mind. These characters you become even more familiar with as the years progress. Um, So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with sort of those pauses. But at the same time, I deny uh, if I was saying that I wasn't fully vested during those off years as well, but definitely uh, uh, it's hot opening night. And again, uh, Sith would definitely be up there
0: for me, perhaps in maybe my top four there. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I just I'm always curious to see where Sith lies on people's. Not that rankings really matter; they could change day to day. Their movies, but how much people love it, love that film is is really. Uh, it always surprises me for some reason. I mean, I love it too, don't get it wrong, but it always, people are like, it's fourth, it's third, it's it's seventh, yeah. I'm like, what? I'll, like, I'll tell
1: you this, I mean, you don't even have to, maybe I don't even have to tell you the numbers, but the one, or the episodes, but the ones that resonate for me the most is when we are talking about, um, when we're talking about uh, family and we're talking about relationships there, uh, without question, and that's when uh, I'm able to put those more towards the top of my list because of the fact that uh, they they connect with uh, relationships and the parallels to life. So when you talk about Empire Strikes Back, the mythology, and also the relationships with the father or what have you, or or just family turmoil this way or that, and it's less about the pew 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 and the ships and just the political aspect of it, I'm tuned out. But when it turns to family and relationships, uh, like Rogue One did for me so beautifully, um,
0: that's when I'm really tuned in and I really appreciate those elements of Star Wars. I think when people say that Star Wars, when you make these characters connected, it shrinks the Star Wars universe. But for me, I, I always thought the Star, Star Wars universe as shrunken anyway, because like you just said, it's about love and it's about family. It's about this small group that we're following and this yeah. connection between them. Yes. Uh, so that's what I always see. So 2012, George Lucas signs the papers. Disney then is like, we own Star Wars. This is ours now. And that was the beginning of of uh well, you had no idea where it was going for you personally uh, but where were you when you heard that news um i
1: was actually excited initially at the time uh and i still am you know in many ways um i, I thought that rogue one in particular, uh really set a precedent for it so i thought just the fact of just the overwhelming budget uh of course you know i was a little bit Uh, Frightened for a minute just in terms of you know, sometimes when you deal with a major studio feature Especially when it caters strictly to children I was just a little bit concerned because again sometimes some of the darker elements for me and I don't think this is wrong as a grown-up fan um, To have you know an appreciation for sometimes the darker parts of life. I was slightly skeptical but also at the same time confident with the uh, uh, The overwhelming budget that uh, you know, uh, Disney could add to it. I thought also added a lot of positivity to, uh, again, this franchise. So so in many ways, I had slightly mixed feelings, but at the same time overall positive uh, just due to the fact that uh, Disney has a tremendous amount of money and in terms of at least for the eye candy itself and hopefully just a, a very empowering story, uh, there was a tremendous amount of potential.
0: Yeah, and they just came off the, the, the first few uh, four years of the Marvel films, which were all being praised and everybody loved those films. And so it seemed to me like it was perfect. And if you ever have a chance to go to the Walt Disney Museum... In San Francisco, there is a quote by George Lucas on the wall, and I'll paraphrase it. It says, uh, Star- he always thought of Star Wars as a Disney movie had, or no, Star Wars would have been a Disney movie had Walt still been alive. That's actually the quote by George Lucas. So it seemed full circle for me that it would come to that, and that would be on the wall. That would be his, what he considered his franchise to be. Force Awakens comes out. They kind of take you back to the original trilogy of The Feels opening night for you on that one?
1: Absolutely, without question. Without question, I was really excited. I really a big fan of Daisy Ridley. I thought she has been doing a tremendous job. Um, I obviously, who wasn't excited to see Han and Chewie together again. I mean, how amazing was that? And then obviously, all you know, the tragic sort of ending of one of our most beloved characters. That was very powerful. Not to mention, um, seeing uh, uh, Han and Leia together again one last time was just absolutely priceless. And then again, um, for me, the Jedi Steps is a uh, suite that I play all the time in the car, or the magic of John Williams, and also opening that up to the potential of seeing Luke for the first time, I thought was one of the best hooks that I've seen in the Star Wars series. I was so uh, genuinely excited for 8 to come out at that point, and I thought they, uh, JJ did an amazing job uh, with 7 there.
0: I thought the one of the brilliance on, I would say, the Disney front of it all. And for me, when, when first, they first announced their slate, I said, am I going to get tired of Star Wars? There's so much Star Wars happening. But the brilliance for me was you have the cliffhanger of Seven, and then you're going to have two years to think about that. But then they throw Rogue One, this wrench, right at you. They're like, oh, yeah, guess what? You want to go back and watch the originals now? Because that movie set up A New Hope so perfectly. And it and I had a lot of fun with it. But it's so far removed from Seven that it it kind of made you not obsessed for a little while there and then the next year you're like all right let's get back to luke and the saber that he's getting reunited with after all this time
1: absolutely i will say this though i thought rogue one was so amazing that it was a really incredible warm welcome for me i thought it was also an attribute to um you know the beautiful aspect of diversity but most importantly caring about characters you know to see that diversity but to not see any um you know anything push down your throat in terms of hey like this like this oh you better like this otherwise it's wrong um i i thought the entire cast did just an amazing job through the organism of a good story and i think that's all you need in terms of making star wars amazing i don't think you need to preach anything more than just having it as it is in terms of those relationships and having characters that we genuinely care about um to see that um uh that brotherhood that i love between uh donnie yen's character was it chiro imwe was that how you yeah. pronounce it and yeah. um his uh little uh, uh,
0: uh,
1: sidekick there was it Bayes? Uh, with Maldus I, yeah oh man I, I mean I love those guys and I thought they were they were colorful uh, not to mention the two the two stars there I thought they did an, an absolute incredible job who's now he's got his own spe- uh, uh, spinoff now with Cassian correct?
0: Correct that's going to be coming it was apparently not going to happen and then Tony Gilroy came in and saved the day for yeah. the Cassian show but let's talk about another spinoff show that's coming right now mm-hmm. this little one called Obi-Wan Kenobi no I want to go... <laughs> <laughs> I want to go into, um, what's it called? The Mandalorian, the Mandalorian. I, the, here's what I want to do though. Is I want to go full circle right back to the very beginning of what we were talking about. You had the cantina playset set with all of those funky aliens going on. You yeah. have the, the Mandalorian. I'm guessing with Boba Fett and Han Solo being your favorite character is something that you would be excited about regardless of what eventually happened with you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, again, I mean, you can't say enough about side characters. And again, I can't tell you how magical that was as a child, whether it was their color, the way that they looked, um, you know, what their weapon looked like, all those things. as a child was so magical to me. And, uh, shall we tell everybody is uh, Are we, are we okay?
0: Let's do it.
1: <laughs> uh, in, uh, September of 2018, I, I've been a blue character actor for the past, uh, 20 plus years. And I, what I mean by that, and when I say blue collar, it, I take every job that I can, I went in for a simple makeup test. It was not an acting role, it was not an audition, but a simple makeup test with a company by the name of Legacy Effects. Uh, Legacy Effects is one of the heads of Marvel and Disney in terms of all of their creature uh, creation, whether it's a, you know, a creature on its own or uh, whether it's something for special effects um, you know digitally or whether it's a human being uh, where they create prosthetics. Uh, I was very kind to a gentleman by the name of Brian Seip. Uh, Brian is one of the heads of Legacy Effects. Uh, We hit it off for about six to eight hours. He was not telling me what he was working on, but I politely gave him my business card at the end of this session. Uh, Two weeks later, I got called in uh, to go for a screen test on a project that was called Huckleberry. Uh, I did not know until I had a contract in front of me, as well as uh, walking into the wardrobe room, where I saw my name, Dominic Pace, uh, next to the title Bounty Hunter. And uh, (laughs) I can't tell you for a lifelong fan how amazing this was, uh, I'm still in shock. Uh, we have uh, uh, just, uh, you know, my, my kids and I, we just are uh, just kind of besides ourselves. My wife, uh, it, it just obviously a dream come true. Uh, these side figures, these side characters that have meant so much to me to be my own one of a kind, unique bounty hunter. Uh, is just beyond words right now within the universe and the franchise that we all love. I, I can't tell you how humbled I am and how honored I am to, to be a, a part of this uh, incredible franchise again that will hopefully uh, resonate and inspire millions uh, for many years to come
0: that's so incredible just the, like so you had no idea what it was did you think this was like a tom sawyer <laughs> like spinoff for, for,
1: for initially i thought it was episode nine but i said wait because oh. I, I heard vaguely john favreau and i didn't know maybe if favreau was involved in um I, I heard at first maybe perhaps they were doing boba fett the movie and it was so uh top secret that uh, you know maybe i i it was you know it might not have been that it could have been something for just disney in general because he's so involved with disney projects um I did not know, and again, when I walked into the wardrobe room and I saw these photos of these just really, really interesting characters, you know, that we all know and love, uh, and to see that kind of a mix with uh, Star Wars lore, uh, that's when my heart started pounding, and I was quiet. I didn't say a word uh, through the whole fitting. There were two out of there were three costume options they had for me. Two out of the three options, they had me as a a masked character. So uh, of course, for me, and especially with Brian. I, with the prosthetics, I, the, for me, it's very comforting to be part of the prosthetics and to to go through that experience, which sometimes takes two to three hours. Uh, so Brian really fought for me in order to get uh, make sure that not only my face is seen, but also a very unique, uh, one of a kind Barney Hutter uh, look there. So it all worked out to where uh, I got the one out of the three, to where I was, uh, I get to have my face uh, with again in in the franchise, which uh, has meant so much to me for so many years.
0: We're hearing different. I'm not going to ask you too much about it because it is on Disney+. Plus. If you want to watch it, just go and watch it on Disney+. Plus. But what was, what was the filming of it like? Did you feel like you were in a Star Wars film? Did you feel yes. like it was a series or like, a, yeah, so just Star Wars all, yeah. all of all?
1: For me, I, maybe it, perhaps is my Italian roots. For me, it's always about wanting to give to others and wanting to share with others. And there was a moment that I wish I could have shared with every Star Wars fan where I could have put them in my mind and my eyes and my feet because the camera was away from me. And here I am staring within a, uh, a cantina uh, of different unique Star Wars characters, this cantina which I played with my entire life. I mean, I, I'm not saying that it was the same or not. I don't know. Um, but uh, it was just obviously uh, the most magical feeling that I wish every actor and every Star Wars fan could feel because... When you're an actor, you transform and you start creating that universe. And one of the most magical things you do over the years is the whole world, the reality, starts escaping you. And it's almost like the Matrix to where the world starts taking you over. And I wish, again, I I could take everyone into my mind for that week and a half of filming to where I was able to have those little moments of being completely in the moment, completely in the Star Wars universe, where all of a sudden the green screens and the cameras and everything went away except being within this character's feet and this skin Uh, It was one of the most amazing feelings I've ever had.
0: Uh, It's sounding like your character is one that in 1980 to 83, 84 is a figure everyone would have had.
1: I hope so. I really hope so. I think it looks absolutely amazing. There's a costume designer. He has a legendary resume. His name is Richard A. Porra. He also does Orville, and he's done some previous Star Wars projects as well. Uh, But he was the one who kind of put this together and made it look really uh, amazing. Um, I couldn't have asked for a more unique bounty hunter. Uh, There's a bit of a story behind it. Uh, Some of the original prosthetic uh, inspiration was from a Greenpeace uh, uh, convention uh, that Brian did years prior to where um, it was a character that he called Gecko. And this is not official by Disney, but that was kind of the nickname uh, that I had from the other bounty hunters as well as within the makeup trailer of Gecko. And I hope that stays. I think it's a pretty uh, awesome name for this uh, one of a kind species and bounty hunter. Um, uh, So, uh, And originally it started with kind of these bumps that a gecko would have on their head, these bumps on the left and the right side, kind of perfectly centered. Uh, But I asked Brian politely after I did my first screen test in front of David and John, I just said, hey, I said, it would be kind of awesome if we made it a little bit more horn-like. Um, so they were kind enough to change that. It wasn't my decision, but I just wanted to politely suggest being a six foot four, two 260-pound man, I kind of want a little bit more deviancy to the character. Uh, so I was so happy that I was able to uh, be able to have that adjustment because I, I can't tell you uh, how excited I am, and I hope the fans are in terms of the look of this amazing character.
0: Well, I'm not going to say if, I've, if I know anything about it, but I can't wait. And I think it's going to be awesome. Go awesome! I will say this: you know, there is no way your character, Gecko or not, whatever the name is, will not like the hundred percent. You have to be excited about this. is going to appear in a novel at some point.
1: I I I hope so. I the only thing that concerns me is just an eight episode series for the first time, as opposed to a movie. But I hope uh, the fans will be able to carry this character, and I can't tell you how supportive. I will be with all their efforts in terms of uh, supporting not only with the comic conventions, but also charities. And also even just a video call to maybe wish a kid happy birthday. Um, I can't tell you how much uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to be involved in the fandom and the excitement of this character as well as the Mandalorian.
0: I love that, that you love Star Wars. It's not just that you love Star Wars. Because I don't think necessarily you have to love Star Wars, but to be as appreciative as you are for for a part in this franchise. That is for me that's an important piece of it all if you came out and you're like you know I've never seen Star Wars but it means a lot to me that you're a part of it like I think Gina Carano actually I don't think she was a Star Wars but she's like this is incredible like she's embracing it and I'd love to see that
1: Oh, man, and what a talent and how beautiful she is. I mean, what a presence. I was just seeing some of her pictures the other day, and, oh, what a gorgeous uh, uh, talent she is, and and I I wish her all the best. I hope uh, this is going to be quite a success for her, and I'm I'm sure it will be.
0: I can't see this series not being a success, and from everything that, I, I mean, I'm as far away from this as you could be, but from everything I know or i've heard it sounds like this is the star wars movie that diehard fans have been well not movies the star wars that diehard fans have been longing for since 1983
1: absolutely absolutely without question i think john and david uh, and also all the creators there kathleen kennedy and Luke is kind of uh, sitting on the sidelines there slightly. I think they understand what the fans want. I think John and David have been uh, incredible fans. I mean, the work that David did, obviously, with the Clone Wars and Rebels and all of his involvement with the Star Wars universe, I think he knows how to speak to the fans. I think he knows uh, what I've been talking about in terms of the relationships and uh, the texture that you add as opposed to just, again, the lightsabers and the pew-pew-pew and uh, and just the ships. uh, That becomes very shallow over time. But to have those relationships and have that sense of urgency – that we knew so well with harrison ford and so many of our original uh trilogy uh, uh members there even billy d williams and and ian mcdermott and all the uh the amazing talents uh, i think they're gonna be able to add that and and uh to do it on a hundred million dollar budget oh boy that's gonna be some eye candy i'm really excited
0: oh i can i cannot wait i'm gonna go watch it right now i'm just gonna go watch <laughs> I, I we we weren't able to order it early in canada uh disney plus so i have to wait until um, you know, midnight or seven a.m. I'm hearing different things about when it launches, but that's what's going to happen. I cannot wait. This series, I got the. Uh, actually, I want to show you this. I
1: yeah. don't know if
0: you got it. You probably got a copy of the Entertainment yeah, Weekly. Yeah, Entertainment Weekly. So absolutely. This was this was a Barnes and Noble exclusive, which we don't have in Canada. and yeah. a, a good friend of the show, Barry Brophy, sent a couple copies over. So I, I love that. I just can't wait. I have to ask you before I let you go because I know you got to go, and I could talk to you all day. But we're gonna let you go. I promise. Sure. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to mention this or not. Um, Did you share any scenes with Gina Carano or or was a Mandalorian there at all or Uh, I I was with
1: I was with Carl. I was with Carl. Uh, uh, You know, I'd like to, you know, just talk culturally for a second. You know, as an Italian-American, we also have our own favorites, you know, things that inspire us. And uh, what what a beautiful series uh, the Rocky series was for me, that music, too. Um, really inspired me as the kid to believe in yourself and to not give up and to be passionate, and along with our African-American brothers and sisters, uh, you know, just how beautiful a melting pot uh, America is in terms of our diversity, whether you're Italian, African-American, Puerto Rican, uh, Jewish, Irish, Russian, wherever you come from, uh, to be able to come up from the from the bottom and to to fight and for what you believe in and to be alongside Carl was obviously a dream come true. What a powerful presence, what an incredible professional, an actor, You know, you talk about diva mentalities as far as sometimes where you hear about people being spoiled in in the workplace. And I can't tell you what an honor it's been to be alongside people like Carl Weathers or to be alongside Hugh Jackman. I was a double on Ben Helsing or with Will Smith on Bright. Uh, To have these men as my inspiration um, is just more than I could have ever asked for.
0: That's awesome. And Carl Weathers will be directing an episode of season two of The Mandalorian. Apparently that was uh, that was reported. So that's awesome. That is correct. All right. I'm not going to ask you any more spoilers. Uh, you can send me texts if you want to do that. <laughs> I am not ask you anymore. I'm going to let you to go. I know you got to get going. Thanks so much for joining me here. Before we do though, uh, if you tell people where they can find you to follow you to get more information, because I'm sure you're going to be, you're going to be releasing little tidbits as the series progresses.
1: Absolutely. Uh, search Dominic Pace on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Uh, and uh, I really look forward to uh, being part of the fan base. And again, if there's anything, uh, Children in need, uh, you know, um, are asking for you know, in terms of maybe just a little hello uh, to brighten up somebody's day. If I can do it, I will be there for you. I, I can't tell you how grateful I am uh, for my life and just uh, all my loved ones. It's <laughs> starting to get emotional. It's just, <laughs> it's just quite a dream come true. And, and uh, whatever I can do to make others happy, uh, I, I certainly will. I, I, I'm, I, I'm just beyond words right now.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Everyone's gonna get out when you come down. You know, I'll, if there's something close to the border that I can get to, I'm gonna come to a con. I'm going to get you to sign this magazine and the book that you're going to be in too that's happening, you're going to be in a book, it's going to happen I cannot wait, Gecko will be in a book uh, let's, let's, I. it's not not going to happen let's be, Because the, the, the Bounty Hunter Guild was from the, the uh, Legends, they're going to bring it back it'll be in a book, you're going to be in there, can't wait can't wait to see your reaction to it thank you so much for all of your time
1: absolutely, thank you and uh, all my best to all the listeners and fans
0: that was my conversation with Dominic Pace from The Mandalorian. His name could be Gecko. it might not be. I'll tell you what, not only can I not wait to get whatever novel his character appears in, I cannot wait to get a black series, a vintage series, and a Funko Pop of, quote unquote, Gecko, as he is known. Cannot wait. That is my hope, that is my goal. This is The Outlander Club, I'm James Azile. Thank you everybody for listening. And uh, for those of you watching, thank you for watching. Music off the top and the back by John Norris. Thanks so much, everyone. And as always, may the force of others be with you. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Yippee!